blessed today to have a dear friend and a man that is not a stranger to this pulpit, Brother Tess Stewart, one of the finest men I know. Amen. Brother Stewart, we're glad you're here today. And I feel like he has a word from the Lord. He wasn't supposed to be in Houston. And I saw him Friday night at a men's conference. And as soon as I spoke to him, I knew he was going to be here this weekend before he told me he didn't, he had had schedule change. So come on, Brother Stewart. We're glad you're here. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. He's worthy of the praise, worthy of the glory. Come on, does anybody believe he's worthy this morning? Somebody brought a sacrifice of praise into the house this morning. Amen. We serve an awesome God, and it's great to be here with you wonderful people of God. I don't want to belabor the time, but let me just briefly echo what was so eloquently said about the leadership here of this church. You've been blessed with tremendous leadership, and it's always an honor to be here, always an honor to spend time with your great pastoral team. And I believe great things lie ahead for this church. Amen. You haven't seen yet what God is going to do with this church. Not going to belabor the time this morning. Let me get directly to the word of God. I want to read from Genesis chapter 22 and verse 14. And I'll be transparent and say this is not what I intended to preach when I came here. But through the course of this service, I felt God kind of redirecting me and when they sang that song all is well something just amen it was more than just a song I believe it was confirmation in this house I don't know what you might be going through but I believe there is a word of confirmation in this house this morning Genesis chapter 22 verse 14 the Bible says and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. I want to preach to you here for the next few moments simply about the provision of God. And I believe there's going to be fresh revelation in this house. Somebody's going to leave this house with a fresh revelation of the provision of God and a fresh appreciation for what the provision of God means in your life. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for your power, your presence. Your anointing that's in this house this morning, God. I ask you for these next few moments to give me your words to speak to the hearts and minds of your people. In the name of Jesus, we bind every spiritual hindrance. We bind every spiritual obstacle, God. Loose your anointing in this house. Because where your spirit is, there is liberty. Where your spirit is, there are breakthroughs. Where your spirit is, there are liftings, God. Saturate this house. Anoint your word. And we'll be careful to give your name the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've learned that one of the great ways to get to know God, one of the great ways to get to know the character and the nature of God is by the names of God that are revealed in Scripture. See, names in Scripture are significant because in the times of Scripture, 
names were generally not something that were just randomly selected, but names were generally meant to to say something about a person. It was meant to, to reflect the character. It was, it was meant to, to say something specific about that person. It was not generally a random decision that people would make. And it was not uncommon in Bible times for parents to select a, a name for their child that might reflect the circumstances of that child's birth. But as that child would grow up and develop other characteristics, it was not uncommon for parents to actually go back and change the name of that child to reflect those new characteristics. And so you look through scripture, you see that Satan means opposer or adversary. Devil means accuser or slanderer. And this tells us about the nature, tells us about the roles of the enemy. He is an opposer. He is an accuser. We look at scripture and see that the name Jacob means heel grabber or trickster. And so many times in the life of Jacob, he would live up to the ideals of his name. He would trick his brother and steal his birthright. He would trick his uncle Laban. And so many times in his life, he lived up to the ideals, the character of his name. But we also see that after Jacob had an encounter with God that changed his life, he had an encounter with God that changed his character. We see that God also changed his name. God took this trickster uh, and God changed his name uh, to Israel, which means one uh, who prevails with God. Uh, Indeed, you look in scripture, you find uh, it was not uncommon uh, for God to change uh, somebody's name uh, when their character changed. Uh, I don't have time uh, to preach about that this morning, uh, but that's why I get excited uh, every time I read uh, that I've got a new name uh, that's written in glory. Uh, I get excited uh, every time I read uh, that God has given me uh, a new name. Somebody in this house uh, with the testimony. Uh, somebody who remembers uh, what you used to be. Uh, somebody who remembers uh, the character uh, that you used to have uh, ought to be excited uh, that there's a new name. Uh, when God looks at you, uh, he doesn't see uh, what you used to be, uh, but you've got a new name uh, in glory. My God, I'm thankful for the grace and the mercy of God. Uh, I've got a new name. But the names of God in scripture provide a revelation of his character. In our text this morning, we find a a compound name of God that reveals an aspect of his character. No doubt most of us are familiar with the story of Abraham and Isaac, but allow me just to provide a a little bit of context. Uh, God had appeared to Abraham uh, and promised Abraham that he and Sarah would have a child uh, who would make him the father of many nations. Uh, but by the time God appeared to Abraham, uh, he was an old man uh, and, and, and years began to pass uh, after the promise. Uh, and Abraham and Sarah were getting uh, even older. And as the promise of God uh, did not materialize uh, when they thought it should materialize, uh, they began to get discouraged. Uh, they began to make mistakes. Uh, they began to try to manufacture uh, the promise of God uh, through their own uh, means uh, and their own uh, ingenuity. Uh, But when it seemed far beyond uh, being impossible, uh, the Bible says that Sarah gave birth to Isaac uh, and God let them know that it was through Isaac uh, that that promise would be uh, fulfilled. Years later, God would again appear to Abraham and tell Abraham to take Isaac to a mountain that he would show him uh, and to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And as almost unthinkable as that is, one of the most amazing things to me, Pastor Hughes, is that the Bible does not record any conversation. The Bible 
does not record any pushback from Abraham. Uh, but in the very next verse, the Bible says uh, that Abraham moved in obedience to God. Uh, he took Isaac. Uh, he took two servants. Uh, he took a donkey. Uh, he took wood for a sacrifice. Uh, and they began to travel uh, to the mountain that God uh, had shown him. Uh, and they traveled some three days. Uh, and when they got to that mountain, uh, Abraham left the servants behind. Uh, and he and Isaac began uh, to climb that mountain uh, to the place of sacrifice. Uh, when they got to the place of sacrifice, Abraham built an altar. He laid Isaac on that altar. And he was on the verge of sacrificing Isaac when an angel appeared and stopped his hand, told him not to harm Isaac, that heaven had seen that he was willing to do whatever heaven had told him to do. And it was then that Abraham looked and he saw a ram in the bush. And he offered that ram as a sacrifice instead of Isaac. And the very next verse in that story is our text this morning. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Here one of the compound names of God is revealed. Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord who provides. Now Genesis twenty-two fourteen is the only verse in all of scripture that reveals this name. He's only called Jehovah Jireh one time in the entire Bible. But I'm so glad that that one mention is enough. I'm so glad to know that it's a part of the nature and the character of God to be Jehovah Jireh. I believe there are testimonies in this house this morning, men and women who can say, I would not be the person that I am right now if not for Jehovah Jireh. We would not be the family that we are right now if not for a God who can provide. We would not be the church in the building that we're in right now if not for a God who is able to provide. But what does it mean to provide? On the surface, this might seem like a silly question, but I was genuinely surprised when I began to dig into the etymology, the history, the root concepts of providing. Because prior to doing so, if you would have asked me what it meant to provide, I would have said that the core concept of providing is maybe to give or to supply. But I began to learn, Pastor, in studying that we get the word provide from the Latin providere. Pro means before. We use pro in many words, proactive and so forth. Pro means before. And videre doesn't mean to give or to supply, but videre means to see. It's from the word videre that we get words like video. It has everything to do with the ability to see. And so when you combine the two, pro videre, it simply means to see before. And so in the truest sense, to provide is to look ahead, to prepare in advance, to act with foresight. 
Hear me when I say that seeing is a vital part of truly providing. In fact, it would appear that seeing may be the most important part of truly providing. And so it is therefore no coincidence that the root word of provision is vision. I'll say that again. It's not just happenstance that the root word of provision is vision. Because with provision, there's an element of being able to see ahead and to supply what is specifically needed based on what has specifically been seen. I was surprised to learn that this was consistent throughout many languages and is in fact consistent with what we find in Scripture. I said a few moments ago that Jehovah Jireh means uh, the Lord who provides. But the literal translation of Jehovah Jireh is uh, the Lord uh, who sees. And so in that moment, my God, when Abraham's called him uh, Jehovah Jireh. See, I believe that the concept has become watered down over the years. The concept of being Jehovah Jireh, the concept of providing has been watered down over the years because in that moment when Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh, he wasn't just saying he's a God who gives me stuff. He wasn't just saying he's a God who tosses me things. But when he called him Jehovah Jireh in that moment, he's saying he's the Lord who sees me. He's the Lord who sees exactly where I am. He's the Lord uh, who sees my circumstance. Uh, He's the Lord uh, who knows exactly uh, where me and my Isaac are. Uh, He's the Lord uh, who knows exactly uh, what's going on. Uh, He's the Lord uh, who knows uh, where I'm going. Uh, And he's able uh, to supply uh, what I need uh, because he's a God uh, who sees. Uh, My God. Uh, If we're not careful... We may begin to see the provision of God as some sort of random generic supplies he gives us. Or we may begin to see the provision of God as some sort of shopping list that we use to go to God to get what we think we need based on what we see. But I'm preaching here this morning uh, that the vision of God and the foresight of God It's a vital part uh, of his provision in my life. Uh, It's a vital part uh, of his provision uh, in your life. Uh, It's a vital part uh, of his provision uh, to his church. Uh, It would appear uh, that the greatest comfort uh, in the provision of God uh, lies not uh, in what he can do, uh, but it lies uh, in what he can see. uh, Because hear me, uh, God's ability uh, doesn't matter uh, if he can't see uh, where you are. Uh, But I've come to preach against that whisper uh, of the enemy uh, that has somebody just about convinced uh, that God doesn't know uh, what you're going through. Uh, He has somebody convinced uh, that God doesn't see uh, where your family is. Uh, God doesn't see uh, where your children are. Uh, God doesn't see uh, where your grandchildren are. Uh, God doesn't know uh, the circumstance uh, that you're walking through. Uh, I've come to preach a confidence uh, in Jehovah Jireh. There's a God uh, who sees. Uh, There's a God uh, who knows. Uh, There's a God uh, who knows exactly uh, what's happening uh, in your life. Uh, And he's able to to provide Uh, my God in Genesis 22 on their way to the place of sacrifice Isaac was old enough to ask questions he was old enough to look around and what he saw raised more questions than answers he says dad I see the wood he says I see the fire He says, but where is the lamb 
for the sacrifice. Isaac is going by what he sees. And what he sees raises more questions than answers. What he sees makes him wonder how can we possibly do what God has told us to do? How can we possibly complete the sacrifice that God has called us to complete? But Abraham's answer in verse 8 was simply that God would provide himself a lamb. Once again, the word that's translated provide in verse 8 literally means that God would see to it. That's what I'm trying to preach into somebody's spirit. No doubt Abraham had just as many questions as Isaac did. No doubt Abraham wondered himself what was going to happen in the next few moments. No doubt Abraham himself was confused about where God was taking him and what God was telling him to do. But Abraham had that one confidence. God will see to it. I've come to preach that into somebody's spirit. God will see to it. God will. My God. Uh, uh, God did not just provide Abraham with something. God provided Abraham with the very thing that he needed in order to do what God had called him to do. Nothing else that God could have given Abraham in that moment would have helped him. But we serve a God who sees ahead. A God who sees all. A God who sees where you are right now. A God who sees where he's taking you. A God who sees where our nation is right now. A God who sees where our world is right now. And he's able to supply what we need. Uh, there are examples of God seeing ahead throughout the life of Abraham. When God first called Abraham to follow him, his name was not Abraham. His name was Abram. And Abram means exalted father. Yet at the time when God chose him, he was 75 and had no children. Somebody needs to hear this. God chose to use a man called exalted father when he was 75 and had no children. The next time God appeared to Abram, he was even older. And now he had one child who was the fruit of his unbelief. One child, Ishmael, which was the evidence of his failure, his lack of faith. And it was in that conversation that God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means the father of a multitude. Somebody needs to hear this. It was before the birth of Isaac, when all he was was an old man, with the fruit of his failure. Before the birth of Isaac, God went ahead and changed his name to Abraham because we serve a God who doesn't just see where you are right now. Because we serve a God uh, who doesn't talk to you uh, based on where you are right now. Uh, but we serve a God uh, who can speak to you now uh, based on where uh, he's taking you. Uh, we serve a God uh, who can call you now uh, based on what uh, he's making you into. Uh, I'm so thankful uh, that I serve a God uh, of provision. Uh, I could stand here for the rest of the afternoon and give you testimony after testimony of the provision of God 
in my life. The provision of God with my family. Some of you know that my family, my parents were missionaries in Liberia, West Africa. Prior to being missionaries, my father was in the military here, but he was stationed in different parts of Africa. And so before I was even born, back in the 60s, my family has been in Africa. And decades we spent in Africa. And in all that time in Africa, we never owned a waterbed. But before one trip, my older sister just got adamant she had to have a waterbed. Had to have a waterbed. And started pestering my dad for a waterbed. And my dad told her he wasn't spending the money on a waterbed. He just wasn't going to buy a waterbed. Now, Pastor Hughes knows my father. Some of you might know my father. But for those who don't know my father, prior to becoming a missionary, he was a drill sergeant. <laughs> I should tell you all you need to know. Getting a no from a drill sergeant is a pretty good no. But my father talks about it even to this day. It was like she was obsessed. She would not accept no for an answer. She was going to have a waterbed. Finally, she pestered him so much. My father was at a garage sale. Saw a waterbed and bought it. Said he didn't even know if it was any good, if it had holes in it, if it was... Just to get her to be quiet, he said, I bought a waterbed. We'll put it on the container. You'll have your waterbed. Within a few months of us returning back to Liberia that trip, a civil war broke out that lasted some 15 years. But when it initially started, my family and I were trapped in our home for 17 days. For 17 days, there were rebel forces in the back. Government forces in the front. We lived near the government radio station, which was a high-priority target. And so for 17 days, we were under gunfire, no electricity, no running water. And we would not have survived 17 days in sub-Saharan Africa without the water in that waterbed. Ah. My God. Now, that's not a million dollars. That's not a million dollars. That's not what we pray for most of the time. But in that moment, a million dollars wouldn't have done us any good. But I only stand here today because we serve a God of provision. We serve a God who knows what is to come. A God who could put something in the heart of a teenage girl that says, don't stop asking. Don't stop asking. Because to you, it's just a waterbed. But for me, it's a reservoir that's going to save your life. Because I know what's coming down the road. Hear me when I say that sometimes God will provide experiences. Something you need to encounter and conquer now to prepare you for what is to come. I'm reminded of the story of David. David as a shepherd boy, all by himself in the wilderness, watching his father's sheep. A lion came and attacked his father's sheep. David had to stand all alone with nobody around and fight a lion. Then a bear came and attacked the father's sheep. Once again, all by himself, David had to fight a bear. And perhaps David was wondering why God 
was allowing those things to happen to him. Why am I being placed in these kinds of situations? But you fast forward in the life of David when David now stands on the biggest stage he had ever been on, facing the biggest giant he had ever faced. And then you see David being able to reflect on the things that he had been through. He was able to testify. One day I was watching my father's sheep. A lion came and attacked my father's sheep. But God gave me the victory over the lion. A bear came and attacked my father's sheep. But God gave me the victory over the bear. I didn't understand why it was happening at the time. But now I understand that God knew I was going to have to be able to stand with confidence with this slingshot in my hand and know that it worked. He didn't forsake me. He was preparing me. The God of provision was preparing me for what was to come. Oh my God. Uh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Uh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I don't know what you might be going through, but I've come to preach a fresh confidence in the provision of God. My God. Uh, and once again, his provision is not based on what we see. It's based on what he sees. And we ought to be happy about that. I look back over my life. I don't know where I'd be right now if God had done to me according to what I saw or what I thought at the time. But he's a God of provision. Without any doubt, the greatest example of the provision of God is revealed in the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. The one that scripture foretold of even in the garden. See, after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, God appeared to them and told them the consequences of their sin. There would be separation from God. There would be pain. There'd be guilt. There'd be death. But in that same conversation where God told them the consequences of their sin, God also let them know that one day the seed of the woman was going to crush the head of the serpent. Adam and Eve had no way of understanding the true significance of that statement. But God is speaking in his provision. You see, this is the only scripture in the entire Bible that talks about the seed of a woman. Because biologically, the woman has no seed. And in every other instance, the Bible talks about the seed of a man. But in this instance, God is speaking in his provision. He's looking forward thousands of years, and he's saying things are broken now. Things are bleak now. There's no redemption now. There's no hope now. But one day a child is going to be born. And he's not going to be the seed of any man. And through him, man would be redeemed once again to God. Through him, man would be able to rise above the condemnation and the guilt and the shame of sin. Through him, man would be able to rise and walk in a newness of life. He would bear the sin of the world. He would redeem us from the curse of the law. He would defeat the power of death, hell, and the grave. He who knew no sin 
sin would become sin so that you and I might have the righteousness of God through him. We who once were far off have been able to be brought near. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the provision of God in my life. I'm so thankful that God knew I could not be the man he's calling me to be without his provision. I cannot do the work he's calling me to do without his provision in my life. And he did it because he knew that in 2021 that you and I would need that provision. That you and I could not become the men and women we desire to be without his provision. If you're here this morning and you've never taken advantage of this, the greatest provision of God, this, the opportunity to rise above condemnation, to rise above guilt, to rise above your past and become what God wants you to be. This is your opportunity to partake and receive the greatest provision of God for your life. You can be baptized today in the name of Jesus. Uh, That's not just a ritual. That's not just tradition. But the Bible says for as many as have been baptized into Christ uh, have put on Christ. That something supernatural happens uh, in the waters of baptism. You might come out looking the same way you looked uh, when you went in. uh, But something happens uh, when you're baptized into Christ. Uh, You put on Christ. Uh, You put on the evidence uh, of the sacrifice. Uh, You put on uh, the evidence uh, of the lamb. Uh, You put on the evidence uh, of the greatest provision uh, of God. uh, And you can rise uh, and walk uh, in a newness of life. Uh, You can leave uh, old things behind uh, and arise uh, a new man uh, or a new lady. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Somebody needs to receive uh, the provision of God uh, in your life. Uh, You can't be uh, what you want to be without his provision. Uh, You can't do uh, what you really want to do uh, without his provision uh, in your life. Preaching here today about a God who sees, God who sees what we're facing. God who sees what is to come and a God whose provision is sufficient. A God who, when he provides, he doesn't just give you stuff, but he gives you exactly what you need in order to go where he's trying to take you. His provision will match the circumstance. Our text this morning says that Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. There's something about that last line that speaks to me powerfully. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. That one day, when you get to where God is trying to take you, That when you climb all the way to the place of sacrifice that God has been trying to call you to. When you get to the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Abraham 
did not see the provision of God until he went all the way to the place of sacrifice in obedience to God. He had to travel those three days with all the questions. He had to climb the mountain with all the questions, not being able to see what God had already seen in his provision, not being able to see what God has supplied in the place of sacrifice. He had to climb by faith, not being able to see. I'm preaching to somebody in this house. You might not be able to see it now. You might not be able to see what God has supplied now, but don't stop walking. Don't stop climbing. Don't stop pushing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop pressing. Don't stop obeying God. Keep going. Keep walking. One day it shall be seen. When you get to the place where God has been trying to take you, when you ascend all the way to the place of sacrifice, you'll be able to see what God has seen in his provision. One day it will be revealed where all can see. My God, but in the meantime, my God, I'm getting ready to close. Musicians can come. But in the meantime, my God, I want to preach against discouragement, against disillusionment, against the attack of the enemy, against your faith. Because you can't see what God has seen. You can't see uh, with your pro- with your vision uh, what God has seen uh, and supplied uh, in his provision. Uh, don't stop short. Uh, don't get weary uh, in well-doing. Uh, don't get discouraged uh, because of what uh, you can't see. Uh, but there's got to be something uh, on the inside uh, that says, God, uh, my faith uh, is not in what I can see. Uh, we walk not by sight. Uh, we walk by faith. Uh, I might not be able to see it, God, uh, but my confidence uh, is in you. My confidence is in your provision. I believe that the provision will be there when I get to the place where you're trying to take me. Can we stand all over this building? I don't know anything about whatever circumstances you might be walking through right now. But I do know Jehovah Jireh. And I believe God sent me here to preach a simple message. To renew somebody's confidence Uh, in Jehovah Jireh. There's a God who sees. There's a God who knows. I've come to preach against that whisper that has somebody just about convinced that God doesn't know where you are. She has somebody just about convinced that you're walking by yourself and God doesn't know where you are. Let there be a fresh confidence in this house. In Jehovah Jireh. She. My God. She. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on, make up your mind this morning. I'm not leaving the way I came. I'm going to partake of the provision of God for my life. Once again, the waters of baptism are ready. You can repent of your sin. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus. You can rise to walk in a newness of life. But don't leave this house the way you came. Jehovah Jireh is here. He sees and he's ready to supply. 
Come on, if you feel the draw of the Holy Ghost, why don't you step out right now? These altars are open. Come on, don't hesitate. But get somewhere that you can make it an altar and say, Jehovah Jireh, I'm coming all the way to the place of sacrifice. I'm going to ascend all the way to the place where you're trying to call me. And I believe that when I get there, I'm going to see your provision. Oh, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Come on, something's happening. Come on, something's happening in this house. Oh, come on, forget about what's happening around you. Forget about what's happening around you. Come on, it's just you and God in this moment. It's just you and God in this moment. Ah. Come on, it's just you and Jehovah Tyra in this moment. Yes, God, yes, God. See out of God. Come on, something's happening. Something's breaking in this house. Something apostolic is breaking loose in this house. Yes, God. 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 Yes, God.